0: Scripture reading this evening is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they, were, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. Good evening. My name is Josh Habman. I am the executive pastor at Grace, and I am not always here downtown. But I was here last week, and looking out, I see that not all of you are always here downtown either. So, um, I welcome you. If this is your first time here, or just your first time here in a while, glad to have you. We are preaching, or I am preaching, rather, on... Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, again this week. If you were here last week, you heard me speak on these verses. And the reason that we're spending two weeks on these verses is because there are two pretty important things that are going on here. So, yes, there is what we talked about last week, a discussion about purpose for the disciples, but there is also a question for us. We've been in this series called Searching for Answers, Encountering Jesus, and most of these sermons have been uh, the sort of question, or they've been built around the sort of question that somebody might ask Jesus if they were to meet Jesus. So we talked about a disciple who met Jesus and asked, What is truth? And we talked about a woman who came uh, to Jesus and wanted to know something and another man who wanted to know something and all these different people who are encountering Jesus and they're trying to find out uh, their answers and so they're encountering Jesus as they do that. But now as we wrap up this series, we want to find out what it is that we need because that is uh, is important to us, obviously, if we're going to encounter Jesus ourselves, there's a question for us in here too. So tonight we're going to talk about that. Um, It is, like I said last week, our purpose that we're talking about. And this is clear in the Great Commission. Jesus comes to his disciples. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I said last week, uh, our purpose is that commission. If you're wondering what is my purpose in this life, it's, it's right there. Jesus says, be a disciple. And if you're going to be a disciple, go and make more disciples. And so that's, that's a purpose for us. But that's not the only thing that Jesus is talking about here. Um, he is also talking about what it is that we need and while it may not be evident that that's what he's talking about, it is in fact what he's talking about. And we're going to talk about that tonight in a, in, with respect to about three different questions. And the first is, why would we come to Jesus? So if Jesus is going to address our need, we should know what that need is. Um, why we would come to him. What our motive is in coming to him. Why we should obey him. If we're going to obey him, we also want to know why. What, what, who gives him the authority? What? What is it about Jesus that makes us want to obey Jesus? And then finally, um, how do we continue with him? If we, in fact, choose to come to him and choose to obey him, why would we continue with him? That's the question we want to end with. So, this is, uh, this is again, second week in this text, but we thought that this would be a good way to conclude this series is to have us ask this question ourselves. Um, instead of a question posed to Jesus for ourselves: Why would we come to Him? Uh, why would we obey Him if we do? And then, how do we continue with Him? So, let's pray, and then we'll we'll start. God, we praise you and thank you uh, with with Bo uh, as he prayed earlier. Lord, uh, that that you are the great God of all creation, and even though we have sinned, Lord, and brought uh, sin into this world, you have stepped in. And you have made all things new. So we praise you for that. We praise you for the opportunity we have uh, to join in that work with you. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see what you would have us see tonight about that work uh, and about yourself. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Before uh, we get too far, we're actually going to backtrack in Matthew a little bit. So I'm going to go back here to Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 because if we want to understand what our need is, we need to look at something else that Jesus says to his disciples here in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 11, uh, 28 through 30, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who who needs rest? Anybody? No takers? We've got one. We've got some sly rest needers. We've got, okay, slightly more... more excited. Yeah, everybody needs rest, right? Anybody felt heavy laden ever? No? Got some silent nodding? Good. We'll get you there. I want some full-throated amens by the end of the service, all right? We all need rest, and we are all heavy laden. So Jesus says, obviously, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Why does that sound counterintuitive? Why does that sound wrong? Because when we're heavy laden and we, we want rest, we're not looking for work, right? We're not looking for a yoke. We're not looking for somebody to harness us to somebody else And to put their priorities above ours and to make us work, right? That doesn't sound like rest. But that's what Jesus says rest is. He says that's where you're going to find rest for your souls if you take my yoke on you. He says because I'm gentle and lonely. I'm humble in heart. So he is going to ask us to see our need this way. See our need in terms of uh, feeling heavy laden and wanting rest. Everybody in the world is heavy laden in one way or another. Either, Either it hasn't happened yet, if you feel like you're not heavy laden, it's because it just hasn't happened yet, or you're in denial because everybody struggles with something. And so this is what Jesus says, I want you to see your need as. See it as an opportunity to come and walk alongside me. You can. He says, I am gentle and I'm humble. So this is a hard thing to take a yoke on you, to be steered along with and by somebody else, but this is good for you. It's the sort of hard thing that's beneficial to you. He says, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we'll talk about what that is. But this is the question. Why would we come to Jesus? Because we need, right? Because we are heavy laden. Because our lives are hard. Uh, When uh, my wife and I, First moved to Iowa back in 2004, we worked at a Christian boarding school. And we worked there for about five years. And while we were there, uh, we were house parents to 16 uh, teenage girls. And then we also had three of our own children, um, one about every two years. So we had our third child. We'd been there five years. And uh, we were also parenting another 16. And we thought, you know what? It might be time for a job change. And so we left that job, but we did not have another job. And so we took that burden on ourselves, right? We felt heavy laden at that time because we left that job. They, they wanted to keep us. They wanted us to stay there, but we took that on ourselves. And I wrestled mightily with whether or not we should have done that, whether that was a good move for us. And I felt the need that only Jesus could satisfy. And I thought... I need to find a job for my family. It doesn't matter what sort of job it is. Um, I was fasting. I was praying. I was doing all of the right things. But none of those things were what I needed in that situation. What I needed was Jesus. Um, for those of you who have been downtown before, even in North Liberty, um, I've talked before about when our little, our little girl had cancer, right? When our little girl had cancer, who is well now, we needed Jesus more than we needed healing. Because if all we got was healing and her soul was still lost it was of no use, right? And so whether it's job, whether it's school, whether it's sick child, we always have a need and Jesus is the only thing that's gonna fill that need and he knows that and so he says, take my yoke on you and come close to me and let me walk alongside of you. But this is about uh, what we want versus what he wants and it is a difference between living our lives for him versus uh, living our lives for ourselves, And so you have to understand that that's what's at stake. If you're going to take somebody's yoke on you, you have to give it all up, right? Everything that you would choose for yourself. That's what's at stake. So why would we obey Jesus if that's at stake? If we have to give up everything, if I have to be willing to say, God, I will go where you will send me, and he ended up sending me to Missouri, of all places. Why would I do that? Why would I go to the place that he would send me? Because this reason. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus comes to his disciples. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Why would we obey Jesus? Uh, Because he is the one who has the authority to give this command. And he is giving it to us in this way to make disciples and to observe all that he has commanded us. This is obedience, right? Out of command. And so, the implication is you have to do something with that. If somebody commands you to do something, you either have to accept it or reject it. We know that Jesus has the authority because he says he does, and we'll talk more about that in a second. But he's giving us a directive. So why would we obey him? Because he's asked us to obey him. We don't always just obey him, though. We often throw in conditions, right? Here's what this looks like. Uh, It might be an inward focus. It might be, I just, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to have bad things happen in my life. Um, I'm sick and tired of all of the pain and all of the sorrow, and so I will just obey Jesus. Hopefully, if I give him what uh, he's asking for, then I'll get what I want. This is kind of like the small child who says, I will clean my bedroom if, right? I will be on time for this thing if, I will do this thing if, it's a quid pro quo, it's a I do something, God, for you, you do something for me. If that is our our focus, then we have a problem because what's going to happen is, will eventually turn away from Jesus. And it may not happen right away. It might happen like this. Uh, cheap, cheap grace, we might do what our Savior wants for a little while, but then we're happy with him being our Savior, and we don't really want him to be the Lord of our life, and so we stop doing what he wants, and we start just thinking of him as the Savior over here and continue to do the thing that we wanted, and eventually that can turn into apostasy and just rejecting him altogether the pastor uh, that married my wife and I, was a great man. I loved growing up in his church. I loved listening to him. And it was always encouraging when I got a chance to talk to him because he was interested in the things that I was talking to. But over time, um, he started holding things back from God. He started holding intellectual positions and points and ideas back from God. And he said, God, you can have everything except this. I want to think about this differently than you do, God. And those things added up. And at this point, if he's not an apostate in directly rejecting Jesus, he's about this close. It's so close, in fact, that he told my father, who's been his friend for years, I don't think I can be your friend anymore because you keep trying to bring me back to Jesus. And the reason that happened in his life, in part, is because God is calling to him to obey and to go and make disciples and to take that yoke on him. And he kept saying, okay, but, and that inward focus, Right was not sufficient. That's not going to be all of us. Um, But it is going to be some of us because this is what Jesus says in Luke 6.46, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I tell you? And then Matthew 7.21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus says there will be some who will claim the name of Jesus. They will say, yeah, I follow that guy. But when Jesus returns and we look at their lives, we'll see that, no, in fact, they did not. So they might claim him, but they did not actually make him Lord. What does that mean to make him Lord? What does that mean to have an inward focus for, for your uh, obedience such that you treat Jesus as Savior? You're happy with him saving you, but you're not happy with him, happy with him being Lord of your life. It, there's a clue there's a clue in the, in the word Lord. Do you guys know where Lord comes from? Does anybody know where the word Lord comes from? It's an English word. It's not actually in the Bible, uh, in the original text. It's an English word, Lord. It's a, it's a hyphenated word originally. Compound word meant uh, it, was, it was loaf guard. Anybody heard that word, loaf guard? No? That's good because it's archaic. Nobody, we've got one. We've got one nods, sly in the back. A loaf guard is somebody who protects the bread. It's somebody who offers to their tribe, right? It's the chief who says, I will provide you with the thing that you need for daily sustenance. That's where we get that word Lord from Old English, right? And that's what it means to make Jesus Lord of our life. It means to trust him for our daily bread. He actually teaches his disciples to pray that way, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we want to trust you as our true Lord, not just king, yes, king, But we want to trust you for daily needs. And that's what it means to trust him more than just as a Savior, but as a true Lord, as somebody who rules over us, provides for our daily needs. We can also have this outward focus and want to obey Jesus just for others' sakes. And this is what this looks like. It looks like altruism. It looks like I go outside into Iowa City, and man, look at the sinners walking around on the streets in Iowa City. Anybody seen the sinners? Just look in a mirror, right? You'll see the sinners. There are people everywhere that need salvation. And when we see them, often our motive is, oh God, I will obey you to save them because I don't want them to suffer. But we can't save everybody. And if we try to save everybody, we will feel guilty and we will burn out. And so we can't try to save everybody. We don't have to save everybody. Jesus is going to save those who calls to himself. In fact, he is going to save them whether we do it or not. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. Um, this morning, uh, Brooks had the opportunity to speak in North Liberty, and uh, he's our main teaching pastor, for those of you who don't come to Grace very often, and he hasn't been able to teach for about eight weeks, uh, a little plus, because of issues with his back. And so he came back, and his example here, when he talked about this, he says, God made it very clear to me that I wasn't needed because attendance went up when I was out. He said there was no clearer sign, right? Right? that I wasn't needed, then that attendance would increase when I was gone. And he was joking, but it's true that the work of the church is not dependent on any one person. Even the work of salvation in our families is not dependent on any one person. My two oldest sons were baptized this morning, and they were baptized because they chose to make a confession of faith. And I know that I've messed the process up between their birth and here. I know that many times I have made myself an obstacle to their faith. But God still called them, and God still owns them, and he didn't need me to do that. But this is true, too. He does choose to use us. And so we can be with him, yoked to him, doing work alongside of him if we want to. He wants us to be there. I'm going to read Matthew 9, 37, and 38, because this is something else Jesus tells his disciples about how they can be used in his ministry, and how we can be used in his ministry. It says in, uh, I'll start in verse 35 actually. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then verse 37. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Crops don't grow by themselves. Somebody has to prepare the soil, somebody has to plant the seed, somebody has to take care of the plants. But Jesus does not tell his disciples to do any of those things. He says, The harvest is ready. Who prepared the harvest? Other generations. God did this work before we even got here and now if the harvest is ready, that means that he has prepared this role for us to participate in. He didn't have to, but he chooses to use us. So we can participate in the gospel. Not because we want to, we want to like assuage our guilt because we we feel bad, because we want to take care of that bad feeling, but because we get to. Because we can be yoked to him and do that work with him. So, He does choose to use us. So here's what we actually need. We need a Godward focus for Jesus' sake. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why does Jesus get to say that? Because we believe he's actually God. The God of the universe gets to say things like, I have the authority. And Jesus is talking here about his heavenly father. He's saying the father has given me authority. And so I'm going to act in that authority. So this is what it means to be yoked to Jesus, to come to him for his sake. It means to recognize that he has the authority to call us to that relationship and to bow and to worship him. It's a given by the Father, like I said, and it's authority that we have to acknowledge if we're going to be his disciples. I said last week that a disciple is somebody who follows after, who makes their pattern of life look like the pattern of the person that they're following, and so Jesus, even though he is God, doesn't consider equality with God something to be grasped and something to be lorded over the people he's with. Instead, he's submissive. And so we, if we're going to be his disciples, should be submissive as well. This is what it means to have a Godward focus in our obedience for Jesus' sake. So it's going to frustrate you sometimes, right? Obedience is going to frustrate you. You You're going to feel like, why do I have to be obedient again? Why do I have to keep doing these things? So we need to talk about what we do in the face of that. Uh, We can't become pseudo-disciples that are just frustrated that they can't be their own Lord. If we're going to accept Jesus as Lord, we need to go all in on that. We need to let him be our king. He is the king of the universe. Scripture says that he is the one true king. So if we make ourselves little kings, we should expect to be frustrated. That's not what an actual disciple is. We should instead be genuine disciples, um, not frustrated with our failure to obey the Lord, but we would be, right, um, if we didn't, because that's, that's what he's calling us to, is obedience. So don't be pseudo-disciples, do be genuine disciples, but know that that will result in the frustration to obey, because that's what he's calling us to, is obedience, being yoked to him. So where are we going to get that ability? This last verse from our text this night, uh, tonight, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, how does Jesus mean that? I am with you always to the end of the age. He clearly dies and ascends into heaven in, in every uh, version of that story. He doesn't, he doesn't stick around. He's not here physically in this room tonight. So what does Jesus mean by that? He means the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given us by Jesus so that we can live with him forever. He wants to make his home in us forever. So this is what it means to obey. Uh, this is what it means to live in the, in the face of frustration. It means to have the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, Jesus came. He showed us how to live. And then Jesus leaves to prepare a home for us. And now he says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to empower you to live your lives in obedience and in submission. And so this is the last piece of the picture, if you will. Remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden. right? Take my yoke upon you. And he doesn't just sit there, right? He works alongside of us, and he empowers us with his own Holy Spirit. and He enables us to be obedient. So this is, this is the need fulfilled. It's having the Holy Spirit in and through us in all that we do. It's not always going to feel great. In fact, often you're going to, be, you're going to feel frustrated because the reality is, right, there is work until the end. But Jesus says, quit trying to do it by yourself, Quit trying to pick your own directions. Quit trying to make yourself Lord. Obey me because I've got this figured out. Obey me because I've conquered death. And obey me because I am God. We can do this with the power of his spirit. you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we praise you for the gift of your son. And we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would be present in us tonight. Here in this place, as we gather to eat food, uh, when we go out from this place, when we go to our family members, Lord, I pray that we would not feel that we get to decide uh, what conditions we have for obedience. I pray that we would not be tempted, Lord, to just try and serve you uh, so that other people can be saved. I pray that we would be rightly focused on who you are and what you've done, and that our obedience would be to glorify you because you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Be present here in this place now, like I said, as we, as we eat and gather, uh, so that we might worship you and glorify your name. I ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.